Hello, and welcome to the Legal Helm podcast, where we talk about all things legal plus tech. My name is Sean Reed, and I'll be your host for this episode. On today's episode, Bim and I discuss the difficulties of managing data across disparate systems at law firms, how technology offers some solutions to ease these problems, and what law firms can do to stay on top of their data issues. Let's jump right in. We've talked a lot about user interface and UI and user experience. Can you give an example of how you would bridge the gap between disparate systems using a good user experience? When it comes to law firms, law firm technology, and how we kind of think about that user experience, imagine that user experience layer that's kind of sitting there. And then on top of that, you've got your um, user interface, and then you've got this variety of systems that are sitting underneath it. A law firm will typically select a best of breed system for the business function that it's looking for, right? So if I'm looking for a, a CRM system, then I'm going to go and look at various suppliers and I'm going to end up with a particular supplier that I, I might like. So it could be Interaction, it could be Salesforce, could be any kind of CRM solution that's out there. But I'll end up with a CRM solution that works for me because it ticks all the boxes in terms of the functional needs that I have from a CRM perspective. Then I'll go and look for a document management system and I might look at NetDocuments or iManage or OpenText. I'll, I'll look at a variety of different options and then come to a conclusion on which the DM uh, works for me, um, and so on and so forth. Right? Same for the practice management system, same for matter management, dashboarding, whatever it might be. There's going to be different solutions that are going to get put in place for different areas. And potentially, like depending on the type of firm that you have, you're going to have different stakeholders in those meetings making those decisions, right? So you could have somebody that's really focused around the CRM and new business intake making decisions around the CRM that you're going to select. But they will be completely disconnected from the finance stream who are making a decision around the practice management system that you're looking at. So it's very important, firstly, to make sure that you have the right focus around making business system selection really an, an organizational decision, right? So that you're really looking at the big picture and looking at the blueprint of this is how I want my organization to, to be run. This is how we add technology to the mix to the business needs that we have but then the key piece is how do we then connect the dots right between those best of breed systems for example from a pure technology perspective if you're talking about point-to-point -point integrations between these business systems that can come from anything from like a simple microsoft ssis integration between two systems right so it could just be a data level that you're moving data from one system to another mm -hmm. and that could be feeding a warehouse for example which then is presented on dashboards it could be physically moving information from one application to another using an api so you could be using an intap interface to do that you could be again using ssis you could be using biztalk there's so many different ways of being able to automate that back-end process so that you enter data into one system and it fires off a request to another system to be able to then interact with that system. So the, the general integration layer and how you think about integrations holistically or, or in, in its own right is, is, is pretty challenging, right? Because what you have to think about is what happens at the point of clicking a button in application A and how does that Im impact application B, C, D, E and every other application that you've got data living in one system that could be replicated in three different systems, how do you ensure that that cycle, that chain event of pushing that information into those various systems is maintained well, that the data quality is checked at each, at each level, 
and periodically and how do you how do you report on issues around data um, and how do you cleanse it right how do you make sure it's cleansed because we get involved in a lot of data migration work for example at the moment and a lot of the challenges around data migration all tie back to data quality it's firms that have not invested good time and processes around you know having data stewards that are focused around making sure the data is cleansed to a point that it is usable, right? And it's consistent. And when you think about integrating systems, it's the same thing. If data is a little bit crappy in system A, then ultimately that's going to flow through all of the other um, areas. And it's everything from feeding simple things like lookups of different types of data to the actual master file data that, that could be replicated across these systems. So it's really important to think strategically about how those systems are integrated together. The dashboarding piece, again, obviously been a big rise in being able to connect the data element of various systems through uh, mediums like data lakes, right? Where you're basically throwing lots of data from different systems into one big data lake and then leveraging a dashboarding solution like Power BI or Tableau or whatever it might be to be able to then bring those data elements together. So you're not necessarily integrating at system level, you're taking the data out of those individual systems and then reporting on them holistically. So that's another approach. And, and then more and more, what we're seeing is that from a process perspective, particularly when you think about the end user um, interaction with these systems, rather than making everything kind of back-end focused, like a lot of it is really, how do you then put a facade on top of that layer of business systems to make the user experience holistically uh, different and more streamlined. When you think about the experience of going into a CRM system, yes, you may have the best CRM system on the planet that has all of these bells and whistles, but that was built and delivered by a different team that built your practice management system. Now, if me as an end user needs to be responsible for the intake process, and I've got client data going into the CRM system, but that's then getting replicated into uh, my practice management system and a matter is getting created and all sorts of other things are happening as a result of that, then I need to be part of that, that process to be able to make all of that chain of events happen successfully. When we look at some of the challenges that we face today in terms of this whole distributed working model, our ability to be able to get to the data, get to those systems becomes slightly more difficult, right? Because we're in an environment where we now need to make sure that we can access these web links from home. We need to access these applications from home and still have the same kind of experience, right? So there's, mm -hmm. there's certain unpredictable elements of basic things like connectivity, which is less of a problem these days, but still can be a challenge in terms of being able to interact with systems at the same kind of speed that you could when you were sat in the office, right? When you were T1 line, you know, getting data really, really fast. Those kind of things do have an impact in terms of your end user's ability to connect to those systems, because if it means that it's going to take me an extra three or four minutes to go and generate a report that could have taken me, you know, 10 seconds if I was sat in the office, then the chances are that that user experience is not sufficient because the likelihood is, is that they're going to either go in a different direction, get i.e delegate somebody else to go and do it for them because they don't have the time to deal with that or they're just not going to do it and ultimately could make a bad decision because they're not using up-to-date data that has other you know business impacts so more and more i can see that technologies like chatbot solutions are trying to bridge the gap between these these different technologies so that you have one holistic 
user experience that's so simple, right? That's just a simple question being answered or a natural language trigger being posed in a chatbot and then the chatbot going away to those systems to go and make the work happen. What that does is it kind of offloads some of that responsibility. So where you previously sat there waiting for something to happen, really it becomes a conversation. So you're starting a conversation with the chatbot. The chatbot is intelligent enough to go and take those those inputs that you're giving it and then going back to the various systems and it could be you know seven eight different systems in the background and then initiating an action for that to happen and then delivering content back right in real time so that you can carry on with your own productivity and when the information is ready to be delivered back to you the chatbot then responds and gives you your your information you're not having to go into another experience you kind of have your friendly assistant that's just always there right and connected to all of these different elements and i think that's definitely something that we can see a trend towards in terms of more and more law firms looking at that kind of technology to make sure that they're bringing those kind of efficiencies to this kind of remote working model and if you think about some of the scenarios like onboarding new employees that's a great problem that can be solved using technology like chatbot technology and doing basic things like taking the the end user on a journey to be able to get their answer get the answer to their question so and that can be anything from it information to hr information financial uh, stuff that's out there almost like templating the knowledge base of the firm right so all of the questions that you know get repeatedly asked by every person that joins the, the firm being able to kind of put those assets into a bot's learning so that it can go and answer those questions for you immediately like reduces pressure on your IT help desk, right? It immediately brings um, return on investment because you've got your HR team focused on, you know, more important things than answering how do I go and get policy information or anything like that. So you remove a lot of obstacles that are currently there, especially when you don't have the person next to you that you can just go and ask, how do I fill an expense claim out or whatever it might be? All of that kind of stuff becomes a lot easier. And then even if you think about some of the onboarding side of things from a new technology perspective, like you could have a lawyer that comes from one firm who's maybe using Adderant as their system to, to enter time or using Intap to enter time. And then they move to another firm and they're using a different technology provider, right? They may be using Thomson Reuters. Yes, they're doing the same business function, business process the same, but the forms are different. The user experience is different. So there's a learning curve that's associated with that. Another great use case that um, we've actually been focused on quite a bit is how do we then um, bring that chatbot element to an existing piece of technology that's in the firm through things like bringing in video learning guides that are customized to a firm? using our consulting experience, using our product experience to build those assets so that they can be delivered alongside the application, right? So you embed the, the help side of things from an application-specific perspective alongside the user experience, which again, dramatically not just helps um, new employees, but even um, existing employees who are adopting a new product, right? Like if you're rolling out 3E for the first time, for example, there's a learning curve associated with that. And the ability to be able to do classroom training may be diminished now, right? So, and there's only so much you can get across a virtual training session. Whereas if I had a handy video, which would be the step-by-step to kind of take me through how to do something, that's going to make it a lot easier for me to deal with, right? Well, do you think we are to a solution like that today? Uh, so we have a couple of examples of this within our product today. So one is the three examples is real one of the deliverables that are um, associated with one of our QA services. So normally we help a customer um, basically adopt 3E through helping them test the product end-to-end. 
And as part of that exercise, we build a, a suite of custom test cases, which have step-by-step -step instructions on how to, how to use every process that you're going to use from a 3D perspective. So what we've done is we've taken those steps, turned those into user guides, and then deliver those through the chatbot channel so that you can then um, go to any process within 3E and Termiac chatbot can be embedded into the 3E experience and it will pop up and say, you know, I can help you. Do you want a video training guide on how to do this? Or do you want to see a step-by-step -step instruction on how to do this? And the key there is not necessarily just showing them standard product documentation, but showing them a specific guide that's relevant to them, i.e., you know, every firm pretty much takes 3E and does some level of customization to the forms, for example, to make them relevant to them. Or they may have certain business processes that get fired off in a slightly different way to another firm uh, based on like the stock functionality that comes with the product. So what this will allow you to do is basically have that help delivered in real time alongside you filling out the form, having the help sitting right next to you that's relevant to you to be able to then, you know, assist you in, in terms of getting it done. Some other interesting scenarios, there's a firm that we're working with at the moment. Um, on the chatbot side so with our Termi product who said to us that we have, again, you know, this now distributed workforce and um, we have a directory of employees that contain certain key information about who we've got. And say, for example, we have somebody that comes in that's a potential client, but English is not their first language. And we need to see if we've got a lawyer in the firm that speaks another language. Like at the moment, somebody would have to go and open up their portal page, which is a bit ghastly. They would have to go and navigate to it. They'd have to perform a search, they have to go and click on a skills button, um, and then they would see the skills that that particular person has and then ultimately be able to then go and give them a call. Whereas with Termi, what they can do is just simply ask Termi who speaks French or German or whatever it is in the firm, and it will go and do an automatic lookup and deliver back the contact card for that individual so that they can then make contact with that person and connect them with the customer, ultimately saving probably like several clicks and some frustration to be able to go and, go and get that data, right, is, is much easier just by asking the question. And I think the key, the key to success there is basically having an experience that's uh, kind of alongside your existing productivity suite, which I think makes a, a big difference. I think that specific example was really interesting because that clarifies what it can do, which is pretty impressive. Um, and it can do that for wider bodies of knowledge beyond just who speaks a specific language, correct? Yeah. And I think the other, the other important piece here is around, again, going back to the, that customer relationship piece, right? Being able to connect the dots between you onboarding a new customer, for example, as a lawyer, and then um, being able to get all of the data points you need regarding that customer's firm um, at your fingertips in a meaningful way, right? So um, one of the other use cases, which I think comes up quite a bit is, I've got an email from a prospect, right? And maybe we've done some work for this firm before, but we don't know, like it's new to me as a lawyer, so I don't really know them individually. So being able to tie in that data in Outlook through a dashboard, which gives them information from their CRM about the company that they're working for, that's all automatic. So I can literally click on um, somebody's email, like so in the context of that email, and then on the right-hand side, see a dashboard that basically tells me, you know, what the relationship information is in terms of like who they are at the firm, um, any contact information we have. Um, any other pertinent information, for example, that somebody else um, might may have, may have left about the the individual. So, I don't know, maybe they're vegetarian, or they've got a dog, or they've got a, a daughter, or whatever it is. Like giving them some kind of um, personal piece of information that allows them to then 
make a connection with them in, in a bit more of a meaningful way than just the hard sell, right? Um, in terms of I can I can not just solve your problem in terms of delivering legal service and legal advice, but I also want to know a little bit about you and your family and you know creating that long term relationship, right? By connecting that CRM element into your general outlook experience, so that kind of thing. And I think just the final piece on this is really around just general efficiency, right? Because when you think about, again, all of the stuff that that we're so focused on at the moment in terms of what financial impact does everything have on our business today, especially, you know, in this post-COVID world and the need and desire to be able to have proactive reporting happening, getting trend data in terms of what impact is is being had on the financials, right? In terms of the cases that we're we're trying and being able to make that so easy to to kind of obtain and, and gather so that it's no longer me having to go into these various different systems to go and collate data and maybe go back to three different systems and produce a report pack and deliver it back to you and giving you some actions that can take place as a result of that data that you're getting. Basically eliminating the time that you need to take to go and interact with those different systems and just bringing it all into one hub, essentially, that allows you to just interact with it through general language, English language, um, be able to talk to it, um, and ultimately get your answers and get your actions done in a much more streamlined way. And by doing that, I now move away from the challenge of having a user experience that needs to be so tightly controlled in terms of the different clicks on the form and the way that we navigate a form and all that kind of stuff. Because now what we've done is we've actually moved away from that and just focused on, can Termi understand what you're asking it for? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. And if not, let's train it a little bit more so that it does because the machine learning aspect of it is so powerful that it can, you know, learn different ways of asking a question. And then how do we tie that back to a data element or, or a workflow or an action or a report, whatever it might be, um, and then deliver that back to the end user. And ultimately that's the key, because if you can do that, then you kind of eliminate the need to be able to have a long-winded onboarding process or handholding in terms of being able to do your job function. Then you move from how do we practice law and how do we deliver the best customer experience and how do we focus on my customer versus how do I go and get the information to be able to do that, right? Like you kind of eliminate that aspect of it. That's the cool and exciting thing that I think we can do from a user experience perspective in terms of adopting this kind of technology to be able to really solve the the connecting of dots between those various best of breed systems. I think if we make that happen, then ultimately the user experience evolves. Um, it becomes sticky then because you're no longer needing to teach somebody how to do something because all of those things can be solved just by asking the bot to go and do that for them, right? And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you guys have made a lot of headway towards uh, figuring out how to connect all these disparate systems. Do you have any tips for people on how they can manage these disparate systems better than they might be doing right now? Mm, yeah, so so there, there are a couple of um, key takeaways. Number one is is obviously when, when you think about integrations and you think about integrating systems together, the, the core thing that you are integrating is really the data, right? You're moving data from one system to another. Mm. And it's really, really important that you manage and maintain and understand the level of quality of data, not just at the source where you're starting to record that data, but also as it flows through to different systems to make sure that everything is, is basically measured and, and has high quality, right? Because ultimately, if you're talking about, for example, financial numbers, you need to make sure that that data integrity is in check 
and that you have confidence that it's in check, right? So a big emphasis on data quality because, uh, you know, from what we've seen, that can be challenging depending on the type of system that you have. Um, so really identifying data stewards is, is always a good thing to do and make sure that each module or area is, is really looked after by a data steward so that they have ultimate responsibility for change and um, really monitoring data quality, right? There's a whole heap of interesting things we can talk about in terms of tools that can help with this specific tools around data quality, um, being able to benchmark uh, quality and define data quality tests in an automated way, um, which I'm sure we can talk about in a future uh, podcast. In addition to that, it's really about making sure that you make the right selection with regard to the framework you're using to do, to actually do the moving of data, right? So often when we work with um, various law firms, there will be decisions being made as part of the implementation in terms of which technology to use to do the moving of, of data. And I think really it's important to make sure that when you're defining the blueprint for your, your firm as to how you want your integration framework to look, it's really important to understand the scope of what, what's involved, right? So really good understanding of kind of documenting all of the interaction points mm -hmm. where you've got legacy products in particular, um, understanding how the integration needs to interface with that product in order for it to pull data or push data into it. Some customers would have products that are you know, 10 years old and don't have any kind of API, for example. Really thinking through the architecture is a very key driver in terms of choosing the right technology solution because ultimately you, know, you need to make sure that you have you know, really a sophisticated way of being able to talk to all of these different systems and make sure you can cater for some of those legacy systems as well as future uh, systems, especially as we see more and more customers adopt technology that may be delivered as a cloud service, for example, um, you need to make sure your integration framework can talk to not only internal on-prem solutions, but also talk to APIs that might live in the cloud, right? So consideration for authentication mechanisms, how that data pushes out to the cloud, the speed at which it's going to be pushed out to the cloud service, all of those different things with regard to the endpoints you're dealing with, all kind of flow into the success or not so of how you integrate your systems. I really like the idea of data stewards. Would you say a data steward would be for each data lake or is that a smaller, more granular subset? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. I, I would say that it's more, it's more relevant if you define them by kind of business area, right? Mm -hmm. So, so where you kind of segment the data in that area, because the, the way you've got to look at it is the, the data is probably going to span across multiple systems, right? As, as we've kind of already talked about. Um, so ultimately you need to have a data steward that's responsible. Say for example, it's in a simple, simple example, client data, right? Yeah. So your client data is, is potentially living in your CRM system and your practice management system, you know, um, your case management system, like there's probably uh, different interaction points uh, for all of that data being there. So really what you want to do is say, okay, there's a, there's a data steward for client matter data, right? And they are responsible for that data across all of those systems and making sure that the mapping is done correctly between those systems. That's all fed into the integration framework correctly. And that there's a mechanism in place to be able to validate that the data is correct in all of those different systems. Um, so I think that's a good way of doing it. And then that way it kind of aligns and keeps everyone focused on, on specific areas, um, which means you've got a higher chance of success in terms of making sure that that data quality remains um, to a high standard across the board, and that you've got people looking at um, exceptions, right? So where there's anomalies in data, 
that they're you know you've got the right framework and and systems in place to be able to detect those things um, and do something with it and there's i mean there's a whole heap of things to consider when it comes to data that that's actually quite exciting in terms of you start with data quality you get your data in check but then what you can learn from your data is a whole different ball game right so that's just scratching the surface of what you can get out of you once you have a proper definition of high quality um, system and, and, and data we're living within it and really understanding what data you've got, right? Because just by going through the exercise of getting your data quality um, checks in place will give you visibility of all of the different crossover points and potentially connection points because right now we're talking about integrating systems together, but actually when you integrate the data between those systems to form a picture, um, that's the most powerful thing you can do with the data, right? So it all starts with data quality and then cleansing to transformation in some cases um, as you kind of bring it into a reporting warehouse. But then ultimately uh, it, it leads to business decisions being made on connecting those dots between the data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point. Well, Bim, thank you very much for uh, this conversation. It's been really fascinating. And I think we've got a lot of topics for our next conversations as well. It's been really good, good conversation. Glad to be talking with you today and uh, look forward to the next one. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.